Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. My special guest name is Paul Mellis. Now he is the president for the Cleveland Association of Rescue Employees, Local 1975, otherwise known as CARE 1975. They represent all the dispatchers, paramedics, and EMTs for Cleveland EMS. Now while I have why I have Paul on here is so we can talk about uh, an ongoing contract battle between the city of Cleveland and CARE 1975. The reason for that battle isn't wages, isn't health care. It's actually based on a behavioral health article that the union implemented. So now this article was a, a, approved by an arbitrator. The city's appealed it once, and now they've just appealed it twice. And this is all based off what the article essentially says is that the worker can take paid leave off if they have a call for a child's death, mass casualties, or if they responded to the death of a family member or coworker. So I'm going to pass it on to Paul, and he can kind of go into much more details of everything he's gone through trying to get this through and actually take care of his members. All right. Welcome, Paul, to the show. Um, You've been kind of, uh, your union's been in the news uh, actually a lot lately. Over here, I've seen it in Dayton, and I know it's it's gone kind of na- uh, nationwide. So um, let's kind of just dive right into this. Uh, you worked on a contract. The contract was supposed to be through the years 2016 and 2019, and you were kind of wanting some unique things. I mean, not just the pay increase and all that kind of stuff, but you were trying to take care of your members Uh really when it comes to behavioral health correct correct what what kind of were you trying to do that's because that is i don't want to say it's unique but it's it's refreshing and i think it's going to be more of this uh later on but you were definitely one of the first ones that i've known to try to include anything in their contract what what were you trying to get well this was uh let me go back a little bit this is a personal issue with um back then one of our board members um he was our director, but he had a, he's been with us for, he's been with the city for, in, as a paramedic for like 17 years. And, uh, he got to a bad spot. And, um, by us going into the actual contract at the same time, when he was going through his bad, his bad issues, um, he actually was very vocal and said, Hey, you know, this is an issue with me. And this is what, what I went through. And this is what I was diagnosed with. And I would like to, to bring to you guys. It just so happened that we were actually in contract negotiations and we put together a entire piece of legislation that we wanted in there going from the front to the back, meaning that we would require an EAP person, which is a ease at work person, uh, someone that is there um, on call, that if someone has an issue, they could be contacted immediately. Um, we also uh, had trigger points that would, if someone went on certain calls, that these people would actually be triggered immediately just to at least talk to somebody. Not that they needed help, but, hey, just say, hey, are you okay? And then we had, um, then we wanted this for uh, hazardous duty injury pay, which just means that if the person actually had a mental illness or mental in- injury, I should say, from the job specifically, that it would be connected directly to a call or directly to a situation that it wouldn't be on their own time that they would actually get treated. Now, I'm not asking for, you know, someone to be off a year. I'm just saying that I want to make sure, just like any other safety force, that the person is ready mentally to sit there and go to the next call. That was it. And in a nutshell, we gave a huge video 
we gave a video to the arbitrators. We gave a video to uh, the city and told them, hey, this is what we go through because our commissioner that is currently our commissioner has never been in the field. She's worked with us for 20 years, but she's been a dispatcher for her entire career. So she really didn't know what actually we do in the field. She's never been out there. So that was our our push was trying to get her to understand what we do, what we see. I know she sees the um, the office version of what happened, but unless you're physically on that scene, you really can't put your wrap your head around what you're seeing. So that okay. was that was the basic of what we tried to put together. I know there's a lot there, but it, it, it was a it was a very big comprehensive piece that we tried to put in a contract. And you know, you, you try to negotiate with the city regarding all, all this, um, along with your wages and healthcare and everything else. And you correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't really get anywhere until you you ended up having to go to uh, mediation, and that was in February of eighteen, right? Correct, correct. We um we had a, a lot of pushback, and the city their exact words were. We're not sympathetic to your to your cause here, and we just think it's another way for you guys to get more days off. Now we work twelve hour shifts, and we do rotations. So, it, when we heard him say that, we're like, "Wow!" Like it it, it was uh, a personal shot. I guess that's all you can look at is it just personal that you literally don't know what we do, and you're negotiating with us. And this is the same attorney that we've negotiated for years with. To have them sitting there say that they really don't care, like it, it hurt us. Like it really was, it really was hurt, hurtful. I mean, we all just looked at each other, like, "Wow, did that really just happen?" You know, to be that that honest and just say, "Hey, we really don't care about what's going on here." You know, and, and at, this, uh, at the same ahead. time, you guys are are getting destroyed on the amount of medic runs, the emergencies, and you're you're really understaffed as well. So you're you're understaffed, overworked, uh, and you're you know, you see runs sometimes that you don't want to see quite often because of that workload. Correct. Our, our, uh, the the term that people like to sit there and do nationwide is unit hour utilization, which basically just takes your, your, your call volume, divides by the number of units that you have in the city and gives you a number. And you should be right around four, 38 to 4,000 calls per unit per year. We're right around 6,000 units uh, calls per unit per year which just means that our units are, are very, very busy. And, and it's, it's, don't get me wrong, we, we like being busy. But it's one of those things that when you have a bad call, it's, that's when you don't like being busy. Like it's one of those things that you're like, wow, you just got to wrap your head around, just give me a, a minute to sit there and think about this. And in our protocol, the way we go, you have a bad call, you have 12 minutes to get back in service. Now, unless it's like a, a cardiac arrest or something where they give you a little more time, they expect you to flip these calls immediately. And just the thought process of how how management used to work things. I mean, back in the day, they used to tell us. And when I say back in the day, I'm only like maybe 10 years back. They used to sit there and say, hey, the best the best therapy you can have is go on that next call. Just forget about the last call. Just go to the new new call. And we're realizing that that's that's not the best behavior anymore. No, no, not at all. So after mediation didn't go anywhere, mm-hmm. you guys were set for binding arbitration. And those results were released in September of 2018. Now, granted, again, this is already you're halfway over halfway through, you know, almost near the end of, of what your contract should be. Um, what were the, the results of this of this binding arbitration? And when I say binding arbitration, I, I'm doing the quotation marks uh, that everybody obviously can't see. But go ahead. 
the, the money arbitration, I mean, we asked for, like I started in the beginning, we asked for a comprehensive program from the front to the back. The arbitrator did not give us the comprehensive program. He did give us specifically his thought process was, I will give you this piece of legislation and you guys can sit down with the city to try and figure out the guidelines of it. So he gave us, he didn't give us the EAP person, which is the individual paramedic sitting uh, sitting on call. And this person would be be working, but if a bad call came in, they would be on call to sit there and take, take the phone call for the member. Uh, he did not award us that. He didn't even give us details of what call would actually trigger this kind of meeting. So what he did give us was that mental health is an injury and it's a hazardous duty injury, which automatically would give the city uh, the ability to treat this as a like a Bureau, Bureau of Workmen's Comp issue and have the person actually get paid why they're going to therapy. That was never meant to sit there and have therapy for months. This is actually just on this call, how long is it going to take to get this person back to work, which in our city right now, Cleveland police do have a policy that's run by a clinician that actually goes through for them and gets them going where they have to go to make sure they're right before they come back to work again. That's all that we were shooting for. So when the arbitrator gave us that language, that was great for us. We're like, okay, that's a starting point. We understood that we still had to sit down and get guidelines for how this is going to work. But the city immediately just said, absolutely not. We're not, we're not going to deal with this. We're going to, we're going to appeal this. Yeah. So binding arbitration doesn't really mean binding arbitration. That's something I've had to learn as well. Um, you know, usually when you have those two sides and you can't reach an agreement and it goes at an arbitrator, that's supposed to be the end. But the city generally, one of their tactics is, uh, you know, the, the arbitrator overreached and we're going to appeal it because of that. Exactly. And that, that that's was, exactly that was the, case, the case in this one. Okay. So yeah. the city, the city appealed it and, uh, it was actually denied just a, a little bit over a month ago, uh, December of 2019. Correct. Uh, we had uh, Judge uh, Russo came out and actually reinforced the arbitration ruling and said, hey, you can enact this. You know, we're going to reinstate this and this needs to be pushed through. And uh, it was uh, January 10th. Um, I was actually talking to our commissioner about it and uh, she told me they weren't going to appeal it. And 10 minutes later, my attorney calls me and says, hey, uh, I just got notice from the city that they're appealing this. And I was completely like blindsided because my commissioners told me that they're not going to appeal it. But again, there you go. The paperwork was sent to me and verified that, yes, they did appeal it on January 10th. So they're going to fight it until they can't fight it anymore. That's... Yeah, it's a, it, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like they're going to keep on pushing and uh, I mean, they're going to keep on, on pushing this to court. Again, I mean, your contract was supposed to is already supposed to be over it was a three-year contract that ended in 2019 and here we are in 2020 and you still haven't you know that still hasn't become a thing so you haven't you know got your your cost of living increases or anything else that's in that contract you just haven't even seen because of this fight just on on this issue this issue by the way this issue is is something that's in the state legislation right now, and and they're working towards getting. And so you guys are ahead of the curve, but this may end up being all for naught because hopefully, I mean, it it actually become law for us. Yeah, there's certain states right now that actually have this in. Uh, I know Florida is one of them that already has it uh, in there for a workman's comp injury, and the city is going back a little bit. 
wages were never an issue with this because the two larger unions actually made made a pattern bargaining already for wages. So we weren't even arguing wages. But the city is coming back even on this one. They're holding up the wages and everything, you know, basically trying to break break the union and say, hey, we're not going to pay you. We're not going to do anything because we don't like this one part of the language. And they're going to that's what they're enforcing. They're 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 not giving us any wage increases, nothing. They are just going to sit there and try to vacate the entire contract again. Which is appalling to us. Yeah, it is all all over, you know, behavioral health of taking care of your own employees, which not only in that, you know, it also you end up taking care of, you know, your citizens by that. I mean, you want to have your employees have their mind right and, and be ready to go, you know, to, to actually go out there and help somebody. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. When, when I can, I compare a lot of our safety forces, the first responders, whether it be police or fire department, we see things there. We're different, different entities, but doing the same thing. We're out there for the, for the, the, the good of the people trying to do everything we can with everybody. But when I notice that one of our other safety forces has a policy that actually makes sense, the biggest issue we have is we want a clinician to be involved in this, meaning a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I'm not asking the city to hire one. They already have one on the on staff. All we're asking you to do is instead of having it be a person also that is sitting here worried about how many trucks are on the street, a clinician that's more worried about the person. You know, that that's really the, the big fight of trying to get this this stuff going and trying to realize that even if they put a process together, if a, one of our commissioners or our, uh, assistant commissioner uh, is actually involved in it, it's still it's one of those things that an employee isn't going to go to their boss and say, hey, I have an issue with this. They feel weak. They feel vulnerable. That's why we wanted a third party, like a, a third party psychologist or psychiatrist to say, hey, this person needs help. How often are you going to go to your boss and say, hey, I'm just I'm just messed up today. Today's just just I'm just having a really hard time with this call. No one wants to admit that to their boss. And it's just it's it's just how it is. I mean, that's just the the nature of the beast. That's just our job. So so correct me if I'm wrong, when you're saying commissioner, you're not talking about like a city commissioner. You're actually talking about more of probably what everybody, all of our listeners are used to as like a chief. You know, an actual yes. uh, an actual EMS supervisor. Correct. Correct. Okay. So so right now you're supposed to talk to them and they determine what it is, but as you kind of described, it just, it just sounds like a conflict of interest. Well, uh, we had an example of this conflict in the summertime. We had a we had a couple bad calls that had the same exact units on it. I had four people on two units go to a wrong way driver on the freeway. That was absolute devastation of what what that scene was. That unit never got any days off. They were they they did what they had to do on their personal on their personal lives. Uh, then followed up less than a month later had a person that was trying to change a tire on the side of the freeway that was absolutely devastated with what they saw when they got to that scene. And the one person actually called me up. Well, actually, two people called me up and said that well, the one person crying, um, she told me, she's like, listen, I just, I, I need, I need some time on this. Like, I can't go in service right now. I need some time on this. So I immediately called my EAP rep, which is a fireman. I called him and said, hey, I have a unit that's in a bad spot. Well, when he started going through his process, the process is usually easier for police and fire because they have guidelines. EMS does not have any guidelines. He tried to call up our white shirt, our commissioner, and say, hey, I have a person that's calling me that's in dire straits here. I need to get them off the truck. Um, what's your recommendation? 
there was no recommendation. Uh, the call came in at like five o'clock in the morning. The people were supposed to get off at seven. They didn't give many calls from five o'clock in the morning to seven. They let them sit there and deal with it for two hours. And then this unit was going to have to work a long weekend. So that was, this was on a Tuesday. I just wanted them to get at least a day off before their long weekend to come in. And the EAP rep calls me up and says, listen, um, I'd, I, I don't have any authority here and I, I, there's nothing I can do. Your, your, your system has to be, your boss has to sit there and push this through. And I'm not sure how, to, how this has to be done, but this is all brand new to me because you guys don't have a policy in place. And make a long story short, none of these people um, ended up getting, they ended up getting help on their own. Uh, they were, they, one person was off for one day, but to this day, they still have issues with that call. To this day, every single time I see them, they're like, that call just, it just is in my mind all the time, but they're functioning. They're doing what they have to do in their personal lives. They're trying to do what they have to do. But this is a perfect example of this is the time it should have been kicked in. And our bosses, our commissioner did not do anything about it. Just sat there and said, Hey, you're good. Just calm down and and just come to your, your long weekend. Cause our weekends are Saturday, Sunday, Mondays. So you do the, you do 36 hours in your weekend. So I was just trying to get them at least the day prior to the long weekend that they can actually sit down and do whatever they have to do at home. And now if this process was involved, they would actually be seeing and talking to a clinician to try and make sure that that memory does not hit them and keep on moving them to a wrong place, you know, as they continue their job. That I got to tell you, it amazes me that the police and fire department can have guidelines and policy regarding this. But you're also part of the city, and you've got nothing. That's that's amazing to me. Yep, and we actually had one of our people. At, this actually kicked in not only from the guy that was on my board that had a hard time. We actually had one of our members commit suicide. So that actually pushed it, you know, further. And, that and we knew we had the, to do something. This is in in recent years. Yes, two thousand two thousand sixteen. Okay. I mean, so there's, I mean, there's truly, there's reasoning behind taking care of, of, of yourself and you guys are looking out for yourself and trying to take care of yourself. That would also goes, I keep saying yourself, but it's also about your family too. You just want to, and you're, I mean, you have the best of intentions and you're just being ignored, like kind of put to the side, like, yeah, it doesn't matter how you feel. Just, you know, dust yourself off and keep going. Right. And the thing is, we have, I mean, there's stats to show specifically in our division. We're not really going outside because we want to just show our division that this is really an issue. We've had a rash of people having dependency problems, you know, trying to sit there and get these people out of this. And I keep on telling, telling the powers that be that, hey, these are all connected. If they don't get this mental health stuff, they move this way. This is where it goes. This is why we're in here with this person, because these are the same people you didn't deal with over here. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a snowball effect. And if you don't fix the one, you're not going to fix the other. And we're seeing that we're seeing that exact thing roll out that these people are having bad times in the job. They roll over to dependency, whether it be alcohol, drugs, divorce, whatever it is. And it just keeps on rolling. I mean, it's, and it's, it's sad to see see these people when I'm trying to be in hearings and I know what the problem is. I just can't fix it. And it's, I mean, it's making the job, undesirable the the working conditions knowing that 
you're a number. Nobody's going to necess- necessarily care. I mean, you're budgeted, uh, you know, I think I read for 333 people, and you only have 260 of you right now. Uh, actually, we have more people quit. We're at 254 as of today. There you go. When the city I mean, came out to, to appeal, uh, we lost more people. I mean, that's and, and I've seen that other places too. You just, it's not about being a human being or a person. You're just a number, and they'll just get somebody else, which is just yeah, and wrong. It, right, and it, it's tough with us because we we don't really bang that drum a lot. We don't we don't like to be on the media. We don't like to sit there and, and to be out picketing and. We don't like to sit there and we're just that silent. I'm sorry. We're, we're that silent group that whenever you call us, we're there, but we're not the ones that bark. You know, we don't, we don't bark for each other. We don't, we don't, um, we don't beat that drum to the point where we want anybody to sit there and say, Oh, here's a bunch of crybabies." Our purpose was this on this one. We thought it was, it was definitely a serious event that I think has to be pushed. It has to be recognized. And, the only way to sit there and make sure this is recognized is by pushing as hard as we have. After this, like I said, it's going to be the same old, same old. But what we do, people call, we go, we we tend to ourselves, we try to sit there and do what we can when we can, and we're not we're not the the division to bark. That's not us. We're the silent crew. Here we are. You know, when you sit down to try to bargain a contract, you know, both sides are supposed to come together in good faith. And especially when you sit Correct. down to arbitration, when you when you try to work things out and work things out and it's not going anywhere and you go to arbitration, that's supposed to be the final say. And, you know, it's already been, you know, they said this to you. This is what we're doing. Uh, they've already had one ruling on it. I mean, it's just at some point you just have to, they should just go, all right, well, they won. Let's. Let's do what we're told we're supposed to do. Let's follow the actual law. And it's just amazing that they're going to fight this just on that. I mean, it's not something that to hang your hat on. I don't think it is. No, it, it seems it seems like it's more often uh, for the safety forces that I know they've uh, appealed a couple contracts, but I I've never known of us to actually get in a, a contract appealed. If we lost something, we usually just lick our wounds and move on. You know, okay, we lost. Okay, we'll try again next time. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense because literally we're going into another contract immediately. They can sit down with us immediately and start negotiating to try and make this stuff better. I mean, I don't understand if you're if you're back to back to a contract, you can just sit there and say, hey, we lost this one. But, hey, guess what? We're going right into another one. <coughs> yeah. So, you know, it sounds like you don't have much support from the city itself regarding this. Um, and it also seems like Cleveland EMS in itself doesn't have a, a lot of support for you guys in this. Do you, you want to kind of elaborate on that some more? Um, in our, in our division, um, <clears throat> excuse me, hold on. In our division right now, we have, we do have councilmen that are talking to us um, behind closed doors and they do agree. They, they do, they say, listen, this, ha- this has to happen, you know, but we don't, we're powerless. We're powerless to, to try and move your contract because they can't be involved in any kind of arbitration or litigation. So, but they're verbally telling us that they're there for us. Hey, is there anything we can do? And I'm like sitting there going, I, I you know, if you're a councilman, you can't do anything. I, I don't know what I can do either. 
You know what I mean? I'm just trying to push the powers that be. And it, you're stuck. I mean, you're stuck. They're verbally telling us that they're good with us. They, they know that this is important. They know this is an issue. But the mayor just doesn't want to push this. Just doesn't want to have it done. And that's and I don't know if it's a personal issue. I don't know if it's a just a, a, a union issue. I, I don't know really what the issue is. All I'm told is that the councilmen are definitely on our side, but it's just not moving anywhere. Hmm. I see. Now, you had a, a vote just the other night. Um, you you actually were voting for a, a no confidence against your commissioner. Uh, what, what, what was the vote for that? Uh, we had a, a no confidence vote. It was two days. Um, <clears throat> last night was the, the last meeting. Uh, nine o'clock that nine o'clock last night we did the the actual counting of the votes and tallies. It came up to uh, 187 people wanted the no confidence against the commissioner, and we had one that said that they did not want the the no confidence against the commissioner. So 187 for and one against. Correct, and we so had 56 sound, people that didn't vote at all. That sounds like about the same exact vote that they just had for the Hall of Fame for Derek Jeter. <laughs> There's one, uh, oh hell, one asshole out there. <laughs> Just one to sit there. And, well, I was, I was thinking percentages, so I'm like, ah, we're probably going to shoot for probably two and a half, three percentage-wise, but who knows? I mean, it, it happened. We only had one, and so, I mean, everybody in the, in the service that voted is 100% behind this push, and let's be honest, it's not my push. The membership is the one pushing to have this done. I'm just following the rights of my membership. And that's what we did, and we went from the picket right into a no-confidence vote. And uh, I'm waiting for the city to get back to me on, you know, if they even care about this, honestly. So what is, I mean, is it just at this point a matter of just hurry up and wait wait for that 8th uh, district to actually look at this again? Or is there is there anything else in the meantime that you can try to do to, to salvage this, to, to get it enacted? Um, I am, uh, going to do everything I can. Uh, I really don't, I think my hands tie, are tied at this point. I mean, I don't know what else I can do after, uh, doing a picket, an informational picket and trying to, uh, work with the city. And now obviously when no confidence comes through, that's kind of the, that, that's the unfortunate day when you have to sit there as a union leader and sit there and say, wow, we're to the point now that I can't, I have to file something against my commissioner because I don't feel confident of us moving into the future with this. And that, that that's a, a really sad day when you have to come to that realization of sit there and say, wow, this is just a, a bad relationship that's just not going to get any better. So I really think that after shooting a new confidence, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, feelings are going to be hurt and it's going to be very difficult to come up and actually talk with, you know, the powers that be to try and get this going. So I think it's going to be just the hurry up away kind of thing and just wait for the, the court to come through. And we hope that it's not another year. Could you, you know, Paul, could you mind, uh, would you mind actually discussing what a no confidence vote means? Because I don't know if all of our listeners actually know that or have had to do that in the past. Well, a no confidence is basically telling the city that we do not have confidence in our leader. And we gave we gave articles of exactly why. So we gave very, very specific articles of exactly why we're filing this. And it, it goes from uh, safety of the crews. From safety of the crews to our hiring practices and our devastated staffing 
to uh, as small as uh, our units that are falling apart literally in the truck. Our trucks are falling apart as we're driving them, and we do not have any kind of policy to, to keep on buying these trucks every single year. I don't know if you guys saw on the news, uh, some of our trucks uh, broke down with a cardiac arrest in the back of the truck, and it was all over the news, and it comes out that we actually got, got the guy back, got, got uh, the pulse back. The guy actually walked out of the hospital, and we never heard anything yes or, or good about it. Hey, you did a great job, nothing like that. It's just one of those things that you're to the point where you have such a bad relationship with your boss that the no confidence is basically telling the council, we need you guys to, to enact something here to deal with this, fix this problem, and try to deal with the problems that are going to be coming from the points that we brought up. It's like it's, it's almost like an impeachment. It's like a you come up with articles and they look at the articles and it's all factual, uh, factual uh, evidence there. And they literally can go through all of them and ask the commissioner direct questions of why is this? Why is this? Why is this? And then they have they have the opportunity to actually react. But the commissioner is a, a, a appointed position. So it's one of those things that a lot of times it's political, you know, of who's going to get that job and why. Sure, sure. You know, it almost, it almost seems like, and I don't know when the next hearings are going to be, but I, I almost feel like you guys should be a big part of that, um, the House bill for the PTSI, PTSD. I mean, it just makes sense. You're already fighting for it here. And it, and you, it even shows more the reason why we need this bill, because just of how everybody's going to fight us for this. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good for everybody. I mean, it's one of those things that nowadays, I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, I have over 23 years of service with the city uh, as a paramedic for the division. I am not a full-time, I'm a full-time uh, president, but I'm also a full-time in the field. We do not have a president that is off full-time. So I'm doing my shifts and I'm dealing with union work and I'm doing all the stuff I can. At the end of the day, I mean, someone has been here for a long time. It's like one of those people uh, where they used to say, hey, you know, suck it up and move on. You know, suck it up and move on. Well, as we get these new generation people, the new paramedics that come out, we're realizing that all that stuff is wrong. These people are, are human and they have the right to sit there and have their feelings looked at, figured out and fix them before they come back. I mean, people know what they're getting into when they come in here. But I have a hard time believing when I went to paramedic school, they didn't show me what a body looks like when it's in tragedy. When, how are you going to deal with that? The sights you're seeing, the smells you're seeing, the visions, and the stuff that goes through it. Heaven forbid it be a child or something that, that really hits home or someone that's even close to the age of your children or your family member. That's when it becomes real. Exactly. Uh, I mean, nicely said. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, and let me ask you this: Is there is there anything that we can do as just citizens of Ohio, citizens of this country, even outside this country? I, I know I have listeners. It seems like all over the place now. Is there anything that we can do to help? Uh, the biggest thing we've been trying to do is do an email campaign of uh, going into um, the city's website and emailing the the powers that be, which is the councilman, the mayor, the mayor's action line. Uh, it seems like the emails are actually getting through. We're actually getting some, uh, some feedback from the councilman, uh, when people are emailing, 
Um, that's really all we can do. Basically, keeping the keeping the voice going, as in keep on talking about it and keep on reiterating what the problems are, and just keeping it in the in the news and in the know is beneficial for everybody. And like I said, this isn't just paramedics. This is firefighters. This is this is um, paramedics, firefighters. These are police officers. These are any kind of first responders. These are security guards. These are people at the hospitals, the officers at the hospitals that are responding to, to things that, that they don't know what they're going to either. It's, it's just across the board. It's just, it's just the right thing to do. Take care of people. I mean, that's what we do every day. We take care of people, but no one take, takes care of us. No, exactly. Exactly. So um, if they wanted to look you guys up on the uh, interweb, where could they find you at? Uh, we are at www.care, that's C-A-R-E, 1975.com. We're also on Facebook. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, again, I, I hope you get through this, and I hope it's sooner than later um, that you're able to resolve this and it's on your side. Um, with that being said, if you're up for it, um, I've got these 25 random questions I'd like to ask you. I'm not 25 of them. That would, that would take way too long, but... <laughs> Just a couple of these, if you okay. don't mind. So absolutely, it's kind of my stick. I don't know. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I got I got these questions, and they're numbered one through twenty-five. Why don't you just pick out a random number, and we'll, we'll go over it. Uh, Sixteen. All right. Who would play you in a movie regarding your life? Kevin Costner. Okay. That works. That works. Was that too quick? No, I, I feel like you've already had that plan. <laughs> no, I didn't. It just first thing that popped like in you... my head. <laughs> uh, whatever you say. Mm, okay. Well, anyway, as long as it wasn't a female, it was good. I guess I don't know. I'm not trying to figure out. I don't have a whole lot of actors. I don't watch a whole lot of movies, so it's one of those things. Why I picked Kevin Costner? I have no idea. Clearly, you have no time because you got to work full time, and then you got to do the union <laughs> stuff full time. You're, you're a glutton for punishment, and uh, pop culture and TV misses out because of it. Yeah, I don't watch any of that stuff. I don't. I don't have a. Uh, I don't have a show that I, I like to watch all the time. Matter of fact, I like to. If I do anything, I like working on cars. I go in my garage, and I, that's my that's my safe place. I'm nice and quiet there. My wife leaves me alone. I just go in there, and when I'm in there, I'm in my happy place. You know, I have a hot rod I like to play with, and it's just that's that's my that's my zen right there. That's, that's your way to decompress. Yep, that's it. And everyone's got to have something like that. You have to have a hobby. You have to have something that you like to do, something that takes you out of the pressures of everyday life, and it's. You know, whether it's be bills that are coming at you or cars breaking down or, or kids screaming or a tuition payment that you have to sit there and have and a, a, that college is coming up or whatever's going on. It's just you have to have that one spot that you just enjoy, whether it's putting a hook in the water or, you know, playing catch with the kids. You know, it's just one of those things you just have to have. Perfect. I love it. All right. Well, how about we do one more? Okay. Let's see. Let's go with 21. All right. So, uh, what are you most looking forward to in this new decade? Hmm, that's a little more thoughtful thought process in there. Um, health, health of and safety. I mean, health, uh, health of my family, um, health, health of, uh, my aging family, um, health of my kids and, uh, safety of everybody. Uh, 
I hope that we don't have any uh, any more. I hope that the distracted driving cuts down and the uh, the driving under the influence cuts back. I mean, right now between the phone and phone and alcohol, the the streets are really dangerous right now. Oh, I I have to agree with that. Uh, you know, I would look good on a on a motorcycle right now. I've got the mustache, the handlebar thing. <laughs> And I just refuse because it's it's not and it's not because I know that I would be you know great on that you know as far as being an operator, but it's everybody else you have to worry about. Well, it's funny you should say that. I do have a motorcycle. Of course, you motor- do. I, 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 I do have a motorcycle, <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, I have uh, low miles on that motorcycle. I bought it in 2015, and it stays in my garage most often because. Of exactly that. I've been on the freeway seeing people going all over the freeway and I feel safer in the vehicle. So I bought a, I bought a truck, I bought a hot rod. Uh, my wife wasn't happy with that. But when I explained to her what the process was that, hey, we're going from two wheels to four and I have a fighting chance in a vehicle than on a motorcycle at, this, at that point. And she was a little more attentive to that, uh, that reaction. No, <laughs> It's exactly, exactly it. I mean, I love to, but... I haven't sold the motorcycle, though. I haven't sold it. So, if you're interested in a motorcycle... (laughs) It's just one of those things. It's a guy thing. The guy that that, uh, retires with the most toys wins. I mean, it's just... We're so... Because of everything we see, I think we end up being overly cautious in some situations. Just aware. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for know, sure. I mean, even, even for a bicycle, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll ride my bicycle. I don't, I don't ride in the street. I'll go, I'll drive and I'll go to trails just because my odds are better there. You know, when I'm in a restaurant, my, my back is, you know, to where I can, you know, against a wall to where I can see everything going on. I mean, it's just, it's funny you should say that because every single person we work with, that is the, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny little battle. But every single time where someone, it's the battle to get the seat that's facing the door. Nobody wants to sit there and have their back to the door. It's just something that we get used to as first responders that we want to see everything that's coming in front of us. And it's, we're, we're afraid of something coming from the back. And that just, that honestly is the biggest issue we have when we get, get get togethers. I try to sit there and purposely set up all the tables so they're facing the door because I can't get anyone to sit on the opposite side. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's, we're a different breed, and that's just how we operate. We also, I bet you, I mean, we're three and a half, four hours away, but I'm willing to bet, and all my listeners probably have the same thing, where, like, I just need to meet somebody for 10 seconds. Give me 10 seconds, and I pretty much can sum everything up right then and there, if you're a good person, a bad person, if I like you or don't like you, whatever. Exactly, and that, that that's our job. You you you, uh, you learn to read people, and you learn to uh, learn to read people quick because that that's what you have to do you have to know immediately and it's it's funny it's funny to say that because uh we go out to different places and even when i don't have my motorcycle i'll go out in the car and i'll go out to like these uh these motorcycle areas you know whether it's a bike night or whatever it is and we'll go out there we'll hang out and talk to people and we end up walking out there with more friends than ever like we walk out of there I walk out my i have my phone full of phone numbers you know because we're just having a good time with people and th- that's what's what's awesome about it. You just meet new people and you open up your, you open up your, 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 your brain and you sit there and say, Hey, let's just, let's just have a good time today. And believe it or not, when you just open up your head and sit there and just let everything come to you, the people you meet are, are a lot of times the people that you might actually connect with again and, and hang out with again and might make another relationship. 
it, it's hard to be an introvert in this business. I mean, because you have yeah, it's very, to. It's very tough. You have to interact with people. You have to be able to ask questions and and talk to people. So yeah, that that is that's true. Very true. But you know, I know you're you're ultra busy, and I've already taken up you know a good a uh, good amount of your time between calling you beforehand and then actually doing this call. But um. I, you know, I wish you absolute best of luck. I, I hope you're able to resolve this and, and do it more quickly than hopefully it, it seems. I mean, again, we're already years and years into this. With, yeah, you know, well, we've, we, we do the best of what we can, what we have. We, we've actually created a peer support group for ourselves. So we actually we actually watch the calls that are coming in. It's being, it's being uh, regulated by people in the truck already. So if I'm in the truck and a call comes in, and I can sit there and look at any unit that has a call, and I can look at it and say, oh, wow, that, that looks like a really bad call. I will contact the peer support group. The peer support group will then sit there and see what the call is and sit there and say, okay, we're going to contact them when we get to the hospital. And it, it, it makes everybody, even if it's to say, hey, are you, are you good? Are you okay? You know, even just sometimes just a little, a little, hey, are you okay, is enough to sit there and get uh, uh, people through their shift. You know what I mean? Just showing that someone cares. You know, someone cares about yeah. You know? yeah, that's great that you that you take care of yourself. I mean, that's it's kind of I think what we do across the board is just fix things. There's a problem, we're going to end up fixing it. Whatever adversary adversity may, we may have, we're still going to just get through and fight on and and yeah. And it, it, it's 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 funny because our old commissioner, the commissioner that left here, he said one thing, and it, we never got along with him very well. But he said a couple things. He was a very intelligent guy. He knew what he was doing. And he would sit there and say to us all the time, you guys are your worst enemy. He says, paramedics will fix the problem and they'll make it work. His exact words were, I can put seven units on the street and you're still going to do 123,000 calls a year. And you're going to sacrifice yourself to do it. And that's your biggest problem. And it's true. It's absolutely true. We will mandate ourselves. We'll stay longer shifts. We'll try to maintain that, that unit open. We'll try to do this. We'll try to do that. Trying to maintain what's going on when we know it's not our fault, but it's our duty to make it right. And that's that's what happens. That's exactly what happens here. No, it, it speaks to the quality of you guys, and and I think that goes really again across the board. I mean, that's just what we do. It's how we are. So, again, I appreciate your time so much. Um, hopefully, uh, being on here helps out a little bit, and you get a little bit more. Uh, email traffic and you know i i can't say i'd hold my breath with how you know what they've done and and kind of their their arc and where they're going with things but uh you never know so i know i'll certainly get off here and be emailing them and uh sharing sharing why they get screwed up you know honor honor your contract yep uh if if you can like i said just follow our uh follow our facebook page Go to our uh, our website, and we keep everything updated to the minute. So if there's something that comes up that's different, we will sit there. We put it on the on the website immediately for so people. Everything's informational on there. And if anyone wants to contact us on there, all of our contact information is on the page, and we get back to you immediately. We appreciate everyone that that looks at our page and everyone that wants to sit there and be involved and has an opportunity to to speak out against this. And we appreciate everything. We really do. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I really do appreciate it. Uh, good luck, my friend. Thank you so much for calling and, like I said, getting this getting this out like that in the public. I really do appreciate it. And not a problem. Take care, my friend. All right. Have a good day.
Bye. Bye-bye.